We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select. Welcome to Picks for Polls, presented by the Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Polls, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. My name is Andrew Freeman, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Usaid Koshal. We recording this episode on Tuesday, August 1st, into the month of August now, um, in the midst of training camp. And now we are officially one week through uh, the first week of training camp here for the Bears, and uh, it's been exciting. Uh, Usain and I have been at a couple of practices here. I I went last Wednesday, and I was there today uh, for their first padded practice uh, with, with the players having pads on and all that stuff and more hitting, more physicality. Um, and yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. You say, so before we get started, we have a lot of, you know, training camp storylines and rookie storylines and, and draft stuff we want to touch on today, a, a, a really packed show today. So before we get started there, you say, how are you doing today? And, uh, how's your training camp experience been so far? Yeah, I'm doing well. I've been to a couple, well, just one training camp so far. It's been a good experience. I plan to hit two or three more. And really go to a couple this year. I know last year I was at six or seven, but just the way the schedule kind of shakes out for me this year, including the two joint practices in Indianapolis that unfortunately do take the place of two Saturday, Sunday practices that the bears typically have, which are closed to the general public. So those instances tend to be just more private and upfront with, you know, the coaching staff and the players. It's kind of, you know, sucks, but I think the joint competition is also really good. But yeah, you know, camp's been really solid so far. The one day I've gone, there's plenty of stuff to talk about for a team that's seemingly ready to prove the entire league wrong in 2023. Yeah, it feels like there's a different vibe at training camp this year. Like last year, obviously a new regime, new coaching staff, a lot of new players, you know, it, it seemed like a year where the coaching staff was really trying to set the tone and establish an identity, establish a culture, and really figure out which guys on the roster were going to be part of their um, future going forward, which who's going to be part of the core and, and guys they were going to want to build around. And uh, this year, it feels like they've already done all the heavy lifting to get to this point of where they do have a culture established. They, they do know um, somewhat who their guys are. 
um, that they want to build their team around. So right now it, it feels like that, you know, they're a lot more comfortable. I feel like there's, there's a vibe where um, I wouldn't say it's easier out there, but it, I, I don't think the coaching staff has been quite as intense this year because they've already set that tone already. They've already set the expectation for what they expect out of these guys. And so there's kind of more of a synergy between the players and the coaching staff at these practices. And um, overall, I, I'd say that it's been a very, fairly smooth and uh, easy and not easy going, but like fairly smooth uh, at these practices. Uh, what, what, what are some of the things that you notice at your practice on, on Friday that some like quick takeaways from just the practice as a whole and what you're seeing out there? Yeah, you kind of look at everything in terms of what's gone down over the last week or so. Now, me being there this past Friday, I mean, there's definitely a major culture shift going on at Hallis Hall. Speaking to guys like Jaquan Brisker, Jalen Johnson, you certainly get the perception and just kind of what's going on is that these guys who were holdovers from the previous regime, they're ready. They've brought in the younger players like a Jaquan Brisker, like Kyler Gordon. I mean, they've massively brought into what this new coaching staff, this new front office is trying to do. Or I should say this young coaching staff and this young front office because they're in year two of this whole thing as well. But just kind of looking at everything, the big takeaway is that people don't necessarily realize because the spotlight has gone to Justin Fields and DJ Moore and the offense. And again, all of that is completely warranted, but what people don't realize the greater story and the greater picture here is that this is a team that's ready to prove the NFL wrong going into 2023, because you have a guy like a Jaquan Brisker or a Kyler Gordon who are quite frankly, much farther ahead in their development. And then you've got a rookie class, which this is, I know a bit of a bold take, but I'm going to sit here and tell you guys on August 1st, there's a chance we sit here in late December, first week of January, when the bears are getting ready to play the Packers in Lambeau field. And we, are legitimately talking about this team having one of the top rookie classes for the upcoming season. I mean, it's a real possibility based on the way things have gone in camp so far, but overall, I mean, it's just been fascinating to see how quickly the culture shifted in just a year's time. Yeah. Not to get too ahead of ourselves, because we are going to be touching on the rookie class, but you're definitely seeing a lot of these guys flash. And that's something that you want to see at these practices. It's not going to be consistent every single day. There have been some ups and downs from these rookies, but overall the flashes have been really impressive from a lot of these guys. And the second year guys you mentioned as well, I think Kyler Gordon looks a lot, a lot better now that he's playing just in the nickel. Um, He's definitely been a lot better um, in the early going of camp so far, making a lot more plays brisker. um, You can tell that, you know, second year being at that safety spot, he's a little bit more comfortable in his role there. Um, Braxton Jones, it's been a little bit tough to tell because they haven't had too many padded practices, but Braxton Jones, you know, he, he looks pretty, pretty comfortable at that left tackle spot, obviously. And then, um, you know, a lot of the other young guys have played well as well. But the biggest storyline, I think, for the Bears and training camp so far has been the, the connection between Justin Fields and DJ Moore. And, boy, seeing it in person, like, it's it's real, guys. Like, it's it's really exciting. It seems like, you know, the days that I've been there, two or three times practice in, in the team drills. And I'm not talking about one-on-ones. We're talking strictly team drills, seven-on-sevens, 11-on-elevens. You know, when you get to these – 
these team competitive drills. It seems like multiple times of practice, Justin Fields connects with DJ Moore for a big play. Um, and those two guys are just on the same page. Um, it, it just seems like whenever the offense kind of goes through some lulls in these team drills that Justin Fields will be like, all right, I'm just going to find DJ Moore here and he's going to give me a big play. And nine times out of 10, it seems to work. So the connection right there has been fantastic. And that has created a ripple effect where I feel like this entire offense has just been a little bit smoother. It's it's gelled a little bit more uh, this training camp compared to last year where it was, yeah, it got rough at times. The defense was definitely getting the better of the offense last year. This year, it's a lot more balanced. You know, there's a lot more give and take where the defense, yeah, they're going to make some plays here and there, but the offense definitely, you know, it, it, it's showing up so far as well. And you're seeing a lot more optimism, whereas, you know, Claypool looks a little bit better integrated into the offense now that he's kind of the second or third guy, third guy in, in the uh, pecking order there. Uh, Darnell Mooney, he's just starting to get back healthy now, but he looks pretty good out there. And you can kind of see like his role makes a lot more sense in this offense now that he doesn't have to be that number one guy. You know, Cole Komet can just be a guy that catches, you know, check downs and dump off passes. He doesn't have to be relied on to have to win one-on-one battles all the time, which is perfect for his skill set. Like all the pieces fit now because of this one guy. And overall the offense just looks a lot I wouldn't say I don't I don't I don't want to get too ahead of myself here because there I you don't want to overact too much to these practices, but it does look like they've taken a significant step forward compared to last year. What is your take on that? You are hundred percent right. They certainly take a massive step forward. I mean, looking at DJ Moore on an individual level, he's a player who played with going into his sixth season played with eight different starting quarterbacks, has never played with the same quarterback for 16 or 17 games throughout an entire regular season. Here's to hoping that the Bears kind of are able to do that by keeping Justin Fields upright for 2023 and well beyond. And you're talking about a guy who really with mediocre quarterback play put up a thousand yards receiving in three straight seasons, averaged about 20, 21 yards per catch one year. So he's really a big play threat. And he's going to be the guy who really adds that dynamic skill set and just that dynamic element to the vertical passing game that, quite frankly, at times, this offense really lacked last year because the offensive line was so broken, so Fields didn't have enough time to even throw, even though the offensive coordinator Luke Getze wanted to kind of continue to pass the ball more and just when the Bears figured out an identity Darnell Mooney came down with the season ending injury but the greater picture here kind of speaks to what's going on inside this wide receiver room because you have Mooney more Chase Claypool I mean more so it's interesting because at Friday's practice the Bears were moving him around from inside to outside, lining him up on the line of scrimmage, off the line of scrimmage, because he just is that versatile player. And there's one instance where he actually blew right past Kyler Gordon after lining up in the slot and was open. Now, unfortunately, in a real game, it would have ended up being a sack, but Moore was two or three steps ahead of Gordon. And then, boom, went ahead and basically was literally looking back for the ball, hoping that Fields would target him. So that's the extent to which we're seeing – 
more be on the same page with Fields. You look at Chase Claypool. He's a guy who, again, dealt with soft tissue injuries, had the whole PUP fiasco. He's come in and adjusted really well. You're seeing the physicality of Chase Claypool come back as well as just the route running skills. And then Darnell Mooney's another guy who appears to be back at full speed after going through a bit of a ramp-up period. And he is one that, you know, we, we haven't really heard a ton about Darnell Mooney, but he's certainly there. It is an impressing knowing that on offense, him alongside Cole Komet are the two playmakers whose chemistry and experience with fields are really the major difference makers for both of them. Yeah. On Mooney, like he had a play earlier today um, where he had, it was kind of like an end around um, jet motion kind of run play. Um, that they kind of ran for him in the red zone. And he made a six spin move on, on uh, Eddie Jackson, kind of break a tackle there to get a touchdown. So, it, you know, he looks good. He looks like he's quick. He's got the explosiveness back. And that's what we want to see. Cause he's, he dealt with the, the injury off all off season. So the fact that he looks, he, he looks like he's in, in, in good condition now, definitely is encouraging sign right there. But speaking of encouraging science here, you kind of prefaced it earlier, you said, but, uh, we got to talk about this rookie class because I, I mentioned it earlier, but there have been a lot of flashes um, from this group here. And let's just go down the line of, you know, these noble rookies here. Let's start with Darnell Wright. Um, you know, today was their first day of pads on for uh, er, er, all the players and stuff. So a better evaluating tool for uh, the, the offensive lineman and defensive lineman here. And I'll say, um, right off the bat, like, um, you know what? I'm actually not going to touch on Darnell Wright too much because we are going to be going over offensive line um, later on in the show. But I'll touch on the defensive line. Uh, Dexter, Ron Dexter, um, definitely flashed today with the pads on. And, you know, this is an instance where um, he was going up against a lot of backups most of the time, but he was dominating these dudes. You, you see the – for one, the guy is massive, and – it doesn't, you don't notice it as much when you're just watching them on, on tape or whatever, but you see him in person. This dude is just like, I'm a big dude. I'm six foot two. I'm like 250 pounds. And he like dwarfs me. He's like two me's like in one person. It's crazy. Um, so you see him out there and, and the way he moves too, it's really impressive um, for a guy at that size. And I know I was lower on the pick, but uh, he's definitely flashed a lot. It looks like the, the get off that was such a big issue for me for him coming out uh, out of the draft. His get off looks a lot better. You know, clearly the whatever they're asking him to do at Florida was probably the coaching staff at that point or the scheme just you know not asking him to fire off the ball like he is here. And yeah, he looks a lot more comfortable firing off the ball. And you, you see the athleticism and the, the size kind of combined where he flashes. And when it, when he flashes, it pops, it pops out there. Um, Zach Pickens, you know, eh, he hasn't flashed too much to me. In my opinion, they had some one-on-ones today where he had a couple nice reps, but overall I, I think it's been pretty quiet for Zach Pickens. He's got a lot of work with the third, third string instead of the second string. So, you know, not necessarily great there for him, but he's a rookie. It is what it is. Um, but I'll say the biggest storyline for these rookies is the competition at cornerback between Tyreek Stevenson and uh, Terrell Smith, where Tyreek Stevenson, was, if we all remember here, they traded up for him in the second round to go get him. And Terrell Smith, a fifth-round pick for this regime um, this past in this past draft. And so far, those two have been pretty even in terms of getting first-team snaps 
on the defensive side of the ball. So I think that that to me kind of it goes back to what this coaching staff kind of what their philosophy is. It doesn't matter where we drafted you. It doesn't matter where you come from. If you show that you can play, it doesn't matter if you're a rookie or not. Like we're going to play you and get you an opportunity. And so far Smith has been pretty impressive out there um, for a fifth round pick. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're right. He certainly has. And the physicality was a part of Terrell Smith's game that he really showed while he was at Minnesota. Again, Tyreek Stevenson, a guy who you can tell he's still sort of settling into his role as Bears cornerback. You know, he spoke to the media on Monday and said, well, I'm still kind of getting settled in. You know, there's a lot to kind of look at. It is really something where I'm asking questions if I have any questions and they tell me every single day hey ask questions no matter what now the big story here is simply the fact that no one should necessarily be concerned if Terrell Smith starts over Tyreek Stevenson it doesn't mean that the trade up for Tyreek Stevenson from the 60s all the way to 56 is a waste per se because again Tyreek Stevenson is young you can tell just looking at his body type the fact being is that he's a player where once he adds some pure muscle to his frame, he adds some strength. I mean, that's when you're really going to see him start to take off because he's a very physical long corner. But you definitely see that some additional muscle is something that could go ahead and help take his game to the next level. Looking at Jervon Dexter and Zach Pickens, I mean, Jervon is, as much as the Bears want to sit here and say they're going to be using a rotation at that defensive tackle spot, I would not be surprised to see Dexter starting by the time the season's here or at least halfway through the season. Like, I'm putting a cap on when Dexter starts with the Bears. I want to say by the time we are in mid-October at least, you're seeing Jervon Dexter regularly start for this team because he's one of those where – the role is right there. He just has to go ahead and seize it. Now, another side note, you talked about his size and his physicality. I mean, you can't read too much into measurable sometimes, but he is legitimately the biggest defensive lineman in that group. Like, he's bigger than Andrew Billings, and then he's bigger than Justin Jones, too. And then, you know, he has really meshed well, I feel like, with veteran Demarcus Walker, a guy who the Bears are incredibly high on as a free agent signing. And then the last big thing is just this, is that Zach Pickens, I mean, Zach was being a third-round pick. I was a bit puzzled and kind of in shock that the Bears took him where they did in the third round. 
but there is a level of upside to work with there. Now, the key thing to keep in mind is that even coming out of South Carolina, the Bears met with Zach at the scouting combine, but he was, if you go back and you look at all the major media reports, I mean, he was a guy who's never projected to be the type of player who was going to come in and be an instant game changer or a surprise starter. He was always just viewed as being a rotational guy. Yeah, and I think the consensus on Pickens when he was drafted across draft Twitter and, and whatever is was that he was a guy that was kind of overdrafted at the top of the third round, right? So he was somebody that was kind of expected to take a little bit longer, you know, kind of he, at least – I viewed him as like a late day two, early day three type of guy. So for the Bears to pick him where they did, it kind of shows like, yeah, they have a lot of confidence in his upside. But I think it's he's a guy that it might take a while for him to really reach that upside. There's a lot of potential there. There are some flashes, but um, yeah, it hasn't quite been consistent yet. He hasn't really made much of an impact, whereas you do see Dexter flash quite a bit, and the cornerbacks have really stood out, even though Stevenson – and, and this is the case for all young defensive backs, but yeah, Stevenson has taken his lumps. Like DJ Moore, especially has um, he, he's created a little bit, a, a quite a few uh, welcome to the NFL moments for Stevenson. And that's to be expected. Like DJ Moore, he's one of the 15 or so best wide receivers in football and Stevenson's just a rookie. So yeah, there's, he's going to get torched a couple times here, but Stevenson, what you like about him is that he hasn't let that really impact the next play, right? He has kind of that short memory where he'll get beat on one play and he's ready to get after it the very next play and, um, you know, do pretty well there. So, you know, that, that's something you want to see in a young corner. And whether he starts or not, you know, it's you can never have too many good corners, right? So the fact that Terrell Smith is flashing and already seems to be earning first-team snaps and the fact that you got Stevenson flashing and um, already a guy who you expect to start already – that only bodes well for the cornerback depth going into the future, I think, especially if you can lock down Jalen Johnson long-term on an extension. Um, you're looking at a really quality, deep cornerback room for the for the future that's young as well. So those are all positive things. Uh, a couple of other guys, um, Roshan Johnson, it's really tough to judge running backs, I think, in training camp, if not impossible. You kind of just have to wait for the games because that's when you get these guys actually – live tackling and stuff like that. And you get a better review of, of these running backs and what they can do. So I'm not going to evaluate Roshan Johnson right now. It's, it's pretty incomplete there. Um, but Tyler Scott, the other fourth round pick, he's a guy that's made, he, Bears fans love this kid, but he's made plays every single practice. It seems like just deep threat, pure speed. Uh, that's the first thing you notice about Tyler Scott. And it seems like every single practice that I've been there, he's gotten behind the defense at least once or twice. He made a play in the two minute drill they did earlier today where um you know it might the play might have been stopped for a sack or probably should have been you know for being quite honest but uh tyler scott got behind the defense once again and on a, on a deep post and justin fields hit him um and yeah that speed he has it it shows up and he's gonna have a role i think because you kind of add something different to what this bears offense kind of needs whereas claypool's kind of the big body guy on the outside uh, DJ Moore is your number one, obviously, and, and Darnell Mooney can kind of be a threat at all three levels. But to have a guy who just has pure deep speed like Tyler Scott, I mean, it's a valuable skill set to have, and uh, he's shown that so far in training camp. You're right. He certainly has, and that just bodes so well for a young team that's trying to, like I said, figure out an identity because you know who your first three wide receivers are, but who's going to be wide receivers four and five? And 
I understand the Bears signing Equinemia St. Brown to an extension last year, like in December, but in full honesty, at this point, knowing where this team is at, I would, if I'm the coach and I'm the GM, I'm going with Tyler Scott over a guy like Equinemia St. Brown or Dante Pettis just to continue to have that youth, the upside that you really are not going to get from a incredibly seasoned and rotational veteran at this point. Looking at... Roshan Johnson, you're right. I mean, the running backs are so hard to kind of figure out, especially when the pads aren't necessarily on. But, you know, with Roshan, I mean, if we're going to be honest, the Bears have really emphasized a lot of passing in these practices compared to running the football. And so then you're in a situation where, you know, you don't necessarily see a ton from some of these running backs. I mean, at least when I was there on Friday, the big thing was I saw Khalil Herbert break off one or two big runs and then kind of getting into some of the day three draft picks. I mean, Noah Sewell is a name who, again, had a really strong OTAs and mandatory minicamp. We have yet to see him properly pop up on the radar for training camp. And he's likely going to be starting right behind. Well, he's going to be behind Jack Sanborn for that starting Sam spot. The Bears are also trying to get him some reps at Mike to be Tremaine Edmonds backup. And then again, you know, the last two guys, Travis Bell, Kendall Williamson, we really haven't heard a lot from either of those, but you know, for both of them, I mean, Kendall Williamson, if he makes this roster, it's going to be a special teams ace. Travis Bell needs another year or two of actual development. Yeah. I can't say I've seen too much from the seventh round guys like Travis Bell. He'll have like a one-on-one where he kind of looks like a bull in the shining China shop because he's a guy that he's a big burly dude. He's got a quick get off. Um, otherwise I haven't really said much. Kenneth Williamson has made a couple of plays. It seemed like from what I saw, he, he made a play on Wednesday where he almost had an interception in, in team drills, but uh, otherwise he's been a guy that, hasn't really noticed much from him, but there's one rookie we haven't really touched on and that's done all right. And uh, the reason why I kind of put that off is because the offensive line uh, with pads on today, we finally got to get a better evaluation of them. And I was there for practice today. Um, I'll say at this point, like for all the talk about the offensive line being better, um, I know Nate Davis was out today. I should be put that as a caveat. So Nate Davis, not out there, obviously. So that kind of impacts things there because you have Lucas Patrick starting instead of uh, him at right guard. But the uh, in the first days of pads, man, the offensive line definitely looks like uh, definitely looks like uh, the defensive defensive line definitely got the better of the day today uh, c- compared to that to the offensive line. And you know whether that's because the defensive defensive line has taken a massive improvement because they did add quite a bit of talent to that unit this offseason. So it's possible that the d- defensive line is just better than I have them as. Um, and that could probably, and that can maybe, you know, affect how I view the offensive line performance so far. But one of my biggest, you know, concerns going into this year was that, yes, the Bears did add offensive line talent this offseason, but did they add enough to improve off of, you know, from a pass protection standpoint? that that wasn't really the case and today it showed that it wasn't really the case so far like um, I'll just go left to right here like Braxton Jones he still shows at times that he can struggle with power um, 
you know, we know what Lucas Patrick is. Tevin Jenkins, you know, pass protection still kind of a weak spot for him. White hair, he does struggle with power at times. But Darnell Wright um, definitely showed some warts today. Um, and he's a rookie, so it's, it's to be expected. But Shane Green um, in, in early team drills got him a couple times where he had one play where it was a run play to his side. And Rasheem Green just got under his pads, just like flipped him up to the ground and just made him look silly there. And um, so that was a a welcome to the NFL moment for Darnell right there. And then later on in practice, Travis Gibson was just like getting after him and just he cooked him like multiple times in a two minute drill at the end of practice. So um, it kind of goes to show that, like, I think I think a lot of Bears fans have this expectations that you know, because of the guys that the Bears brought in, that, you know, this offensive line is not going to be a problem anymore. And I just, we, I, I just want to set the expectation that, you know, it's still a work in progress, guys. Like, and I think long-term, they'll probably be all right um, from a multi-year standpoint. But this year, they're probably going to be more lumps in, um, than I think a lot of people expect. And the hope is really we get to mid-October and the Bears have figured it out along the offensive line. But you're right. I mean, you kind of look at this O-line. It's such a unique situation because Cody Whitehair and Nate Davis are your two most experienced players. They have a combined 161 starts between them. And then you have Braxton Jones, who, if we're going to be fully honest, was a real surprise last year. And as much as we love to sit here and talk about, well, fifth round pick goes on to start at a premium position in the NFL, that's all well and fine. But looking at next year, I mean, if Braxton Jones continues to struggle, there's a handful of players that could come in and easily be an upgrade over him. And then again, Tevin Jenkins is a guy who has really settled in real well to the right, I'm sorry, the left guard spot. And that's been phenomenal from Tevin's standpoint because he's done everything and more that the previous regime and this new regime has asked him to going from right tackle in college to left tackle his first year to the back injuries, the hip injuries, and then him kind of coming into the offseason, doing a couple extra workouts to just strengthen those back muscles and then making the shift from right guard all the way over to left guard this year. He honestly is one of the more underrated storylines that no one seems to want to talk about at camp because he's settled in well to this whole thing quickly. John Wright today, based on what you've told me, you know, texting back and forth with Zach too, it's it's very clear that today was a welcome to the NFL slash come back down to earth type moment for Darnell. Now, ultimately looking at this, the best hope is that he can continue stacking days forward because the Bears drafted Darnell Wright, not just because they needed a right tackle, but ultimately because it was Ryan Pohl's way of saying, hey, we are continuing to go all in on quarterback Justin Fields. Now, for Darnell, I mean, we've seen what he can do against top talent. It's just a matter of kind of continuing to get the reps that he needs and really just getting used to how quickly the NFL game moves. And listen to him talk. I mean, it's very clear he's taken this whole transition from Tennessee to Chicago legitimately by the horns and has pretty much said, hey, I'm ready for anything you throw my way. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas. 
arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Yeah, and for for Ray, I think it's, look, it's important to note that, yeah, he went up against a lot of top competition in the SEC, especially last year, um, where he went through like a murderous row of like really quality pass rush prospects last year, and he did pretty damn well against all those guys. But he's still going to be going – like NFL edge rushers are a different breed, man. Like uh, it's still a lot different from um, what he had to face in college. Like even guys like Travis Gibson, Rasheem Green, uh, Demarcus Walker, like they're not household names, but those guys are still like they have multiple years of NFL training and coaching and like weight development um, and just like there, it's a different level compared to where he was at in college. So there's going to be an adjustment period. So, and this is the thing with all rookie tackles, like going into when they drafted Darnell Wright, I like, I, I really like the pick at the time. But I knew that year one, going into the year one, I, I'm expecting Darnell Wright to suck, and that's okay. It is okay if Darnell Wright is not good this year, right? Because off the tackles, they are a multi-year project, so to speak. So even though Wright, um, you feel good about his ability to translate to the NFL right away based off of his college tape, it's still going to take some time. So um yeah, I mean, it, it, and it, and it's totally fine too. It's not it's not a big deal if he's not, you know, completely locked down right away. And there were a lot of good reps today where um, he did stonewall pass rushers and uh, did a nice job there. So it's as long term. Is it something that I'm worried about? No, but it's just something like short in the short term. Yeah, they're, they're, he's going to take his lumps this year, and that's just the nature of the beast, really. Um, and, and that's really all that needs to be said on that whole darn all right situation because i think overall like he's probably he's going to be good i i expect that he's going to be good and yeah we'll just have to see how that entire situation plays out uh throughout the rest of the camp and going into the season so uh 30 minutes in here we've talked a lot about the bears rookies and uh, some of the storylines here let's I, I think it's a good time now that we're a week into camp to kind of touch on some of the other rookies that have kind of showed out um across the NFL as well and kind of get a, a little bit of a taste of where some of the guys in this latest draft class are at. So you say, I'll start with you. Uh, who are some rookie names that uh, you're kind of following across the NFL that uh, have kind of stuck out to you in terms of guys that are impressing so far? I mean, it's crazy. And I told myself I wasn't going to do this, but I love what I'm seeing from a lot of the quarterbacks. You look at Bryce Young in Carolina. You look at C.J. Stroud as well as Anthony Richardson, the three top quarterbacks selected. It is very clear that all of them are taking first-team reps. There doesn't appear to be any plan in place to have a bridge quarterback for those guys, which quite frankly could set off the trend of teams just saying, hey, look, just get in there, get your reps. You know, we're not going to go ahead and necessarily play it conservative anymore like we've gotten so accustomed to seeing the last basically seven to eight years. And then looking at B. John Robinson in Atlanta, I mean, as a running back, you know, he's completely taken off. He's been a guy who has – really added a dynamic element and is going to be the Atlanta Falcons offense for the upcoming season. So those have been two really good ones and, you know, two really a couple encouraging guys to go ahead and see. And then, you know, when you kind of look at beyond just what's going on in the 
first round. I mean, how about Joey Porter Jr., cornerback from Penn State, also in um, with the Pittsburgh Steelers now. He's been a guy who's gone up against George Pickens and has genuinely, I think, going to make a case for being the best cornerback as a rookie in this class. And then one of my personal favorites in the draft, Jalen Hyatt, wide receiver from Tennessee, who, again, I know you and I had different opinions on Jalen Hyatt coming out of college, but he's meshed really well with a New York Giants receiving core that doesn't have a true number one at all. And it's very likely that we're sitting here at season's end and talking about Jalen Hyatt being the guy in New York. Yeah, I will say, and Joey Porter, he had an unfortunate uh, rep earlier today where uh, George Pickens just completely mossed him. That highlight went all across Twitter earlier today. and Just like nothing Porter could have done. Just Pickens just completely just abused him at the catch point. That's what Pickens does. So, uh, yeah, George Pickens, I think he's going to have a a, a nice second season for the the Steelers as well. Um, But, yeah, I mean, you mentioned it. Like, Bijan is the most interesting for me because – the Falcons drafting him at number eight, like I get like why they love the player so much, but I always hate the value of drafting a running back that high, especially if you're the Falcons, like they don't have a quarterback. They're going in they're They're kind of in a weird situation where, you know, it can go either way where they could win the division in a weak NFC South, but also if they don't win enough games. Like Arthur Smith might get fired at the end of the year. It's kind of like a weird uh, kind of situation there in Atlanta they're, and they're going all in on this running back, but it sounds like the way they want to use him is that Arthur Smith, like with the, he's kind of, he's a very creative offensive mind. And we saw what, we, what he's done with Cardell Patterson uh, where he uses him as kind of like a hybrid weapon where he can play running back. He can play tight end. He can play wide receiver for them. He can play in the slot. Uh, they put him in jet motion they do a lot of different things with all their weapons here where they have guys that can play all, all over the field. Like Kyle Pitts, he's technically a tight end, but a lot of the time he's their X wide receiver, right? And Drake London's this huge dude that normally would be like an X wide receiver. He plays a lot in the slot. So it, they kind of have this fun group of weapons where they can kind of play them as positionalist players all over the field and give defenses a bunch of different looks. So, I'm curious, like, if the Bijan Robinson pick is because not only is he an elite runner right away, but can he be a true weapon in the passing game, which is very rare to get at the running back position? And Bijan, you look at some of the highlights from camp, like, he looks like he could be one of those dudes. And it sounds like uh, Atlanta, you know, they got a player right there as well. Um, but yeah, like Jalen Hyatt as well, you kind of mentioned him. Um, you look at, like, the speed, the clips of him just running routes, and the speed is just like, just stupid it's stupid speed that he has um and I, how much that translates to the, to the field when the games start who knows but he he brings something that the giants don't have which is size and a guy that can play on the outside and that's something that i i, I expect him to do for them which they have a bunch of undersized slot guys so it's kind of like a weird weird wide receiver room there in, in new york but yeah some other wide receivers that have, have stood out quentin johnson for the chargers um you know, it seems like every other day there's a highlight of him just going up and mossing dudes um, for the Chargers there, which is exciting because he kind of brings a different element. Or uh, I guess another guy that just Herbert can kind of just throw jump balls to. He, You know, there's a reason why Mike Williams has been so good with Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert loves guys that can go up and go get it. 
and Quentin Johnson so far. It looks like he's kind of established that part of his game. Um, Rashi Rice, it looks like he's he's gone off to a good start in Kansas City. So they have a young group of weapons there in Kansas City. If you, if you don't remember, they uh, drafted Sky Moore last year. They had Justin Ross, who they kind of brought in as an undrafted free agent um, due to injury concerns, and he looks like he's had a good camp for them um, as a second-year player. So Kansas City, it looks like they're kind of reloading at the wide receiver position with young guys and um, you know, Patrick Mahomes is going to make a lot of good, a lot of guys look good. Obviously, um, one name that I found interesting: uh, the Jets apparently uh, undrafted free agent Jason Brownlee. He's a wide receiver, six foot two, two hundred pound guy. Apparently, every single day that dude is is just making plays. And the Jets have a loaded wide receiver room already with Garrett Wilson. Um, you know, some of the other guys that they have on that roster there. They brought in Alan Lazard. His off season because he's best friends with Aaron Rodgers, apparently, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, they, they, you know, they let um, some guys go this off season, like Elijah Moore. Um, and for good reason, apparently this Jason Brownlee guys has really stood out in camp for the jets here. So that's something to keep in mind or to keep watch of because Aaron Rodgers, we know that he can elevate receivers and get the most out of these guys. And, could be a case where an undrafted free agent is is going to make an impact for them, um, even though they already have like a ton of like Corey Davis on the roster. Like they have a, lot, a bunch of guys, but um, yeah, that's kind of exciting. That's that was one of those things where you, the under underdog stories you love to see in training camp this time of year. Um, and then the Philadelphia Eagles, we knew this on draft night when it happened, but Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith, it sounds like, have just been two wrecking balls for them in training camp so far, which. <laughs> I can't believe the NFL like just let the Eagles, who just went to the Super Bowl, get Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith. Like, like just like Howie. I don't know how that guy does it, but every single year the guy just he's a he's a wizard, man. But yeah, it's it sounds like yeah, it's Jalen Carter. It sounds like he's playing like the best player in the draft and playing it like so far in training camp so far. So very interesting to see how these rookies are are doing. And that's not even mentioned like Zay Flowers with the Baltimore Ravens. A lot of high reviews for him. Uh, Sam Laporta with the Detroit Lions. I'm, I'm hearing a lot of good things for him in training camp so far. And tight ends usually don't play well right away, but Laporta's look pretty good for the Lions is what it sounds like. So, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of exciting talent across the NFL so far. Um, I, I'm really curious to see where these rookies stack up. You're right. And looking at some of those guys that you mentioned, like Sam Laporta, there is – First things first, Iowa, in my opinion, is tight end university because some of the guys that have come out of there over the last couple of years. But Sam Laporta really reminds me of a young TJ Hawkinson who was a first-round pick three to four years ago. But Laporta has every single thing needed to really be the game changer that the Lions lack from the tight end position because you can play him as a U, you can play him as a Y, you can kind of line him up in the slot, you can dial up those play action passes. He's physical enough as a blocker in the running game to maul linebackers along with safeties and cornerbacks. So Sam Laporta to me is a player who you could term to be a rising rookie. Now Zay Flowers is an interesting case study because the tough part about playing wide receiver in Baltimore is if you are a Rashad Bateman or a Zay Flowers, you effectively and unfortunately, you are crowded out due to the presence of an Odell Beckham Jr. Who, again, as much as we want Odell to succeed so he gets his NFL career back on track, I mean, 
Zay Flowers upside is just too great to go ahead and ignore. And again, this is all something that the Baltimore franchise is doing in order to go ahead and really get away from running the football and make Lamar Jackson more of a passer. Because Baltimore right now, if you look at a lot of the good AFC teams, mainly Buffalo, Kansas City, Cincinnati, along with the Chargers, Baltimore wants to be in the same category and the same tier as those guys. They need to get away from running the football 50 times a game and instead focus on passing the football way more. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yeah, and it sounds like that's the kind of strategy for them with Monking coming in there instead of, uh, gosh, what's the name of their offensive coordinator last few years? That name's escaping me. Uh, but, yeah, there's there's that philosophy shift going on in Baltimore, which should be interesting. I'm, I'm curious to see how Lamar does in an offense that isn't so run-heavy which I don't know if they're going to completely commit to that this year, but yeah, that'll be interesting to watch. But um, yeah, so that's some of the rookies that have kind of stood out over the course of training camp so far. It's it's we're still a long ways to go. Uh, preseason games coming up. I think later this week is the all hall of fame game. So um, yeah, looking forward to that. Obviously uh, the last thing we're going to touch on today before we wrap up here is, uh, you know, looking ahead to next year's draft uh, bears are going to be an interesting are going to be in an interesting situation with multiple first round picks that they got in the Carolina Panthers trade. Uh, and one of the things that's going to be interesting is, you know, depending on where those picks are at, uh, the possibilities of the Bears being in position to trade down once again uh, with a quarterback on the board um, this next upcoming season. We talked about kind of the quarterbacks a few weeks ago that there's probably going to be like three or four, maybe even five first round quarterbacks next year's draft. Um, to various levels of, you know, levels of, of a prospect, obviously. But, you know, looking ahead, like there are going to be some teams, I think, that are going to be the running to trade up for these guys next year. You know, who are who are some of the teams that you're kind of looking to see, like keeping an eye on this year in terms of what their situation is going to be? This is an incredibly high number, but I will tell you right now, there's about seven or eight NFC teams and then – three to four AFC teams. Now you kind of look at it. I mean, I'll just go right down the list here, right? Atlanta Falcons. This is a team where they have Desmond Ritter under center, but, and they moved on from Marcus Mariota this past year. Desmond's a guy who, again, going back to the class of 2021, had he declared he would have been a lot of people's quarterback five this year though. He goes in as the surefire starter in Atlanta. Well, I think Arthur Smith is on the hot seat, the head coach. I do believe that there's a chance there's a coaching change and that the new staff is going to want their own guy. Now, beyond just that, you kind of start going down the list here and the second team that sticks out for me there's two teams actually it's the LA Rams and the Minnesota Vikings you know Sean McVay Matt Stafford doesn't really have much left in the tank anymore Sean's gonna want his own drafted guy at some point because he was not there when the Rams 
traded up for Jared Goff. He was still the tight ends coach, I believe, in Washington at the time. And then the Minnesota Vikings, too. Kirk Cousins has pretty much made it clear we're going to renegotiate going into spring 2024. There's a chance he's not back either because Kevin O'Connell is going to want his own guy. The Saints have committed to Derek Carr. The San Francisco 49ers and the Seattle Seahawks, two teams where as much as the media loves to hype up Brock Purdy and say Purdy mania, I mean, at what point does Kyle Shanahan kind of not only regret the trade up for Trey Lance because he's really been struggling, but say, hey, I think I can make magic work with a player like a Michael Penix or a J.J. McCarthy, Quinn Ewers, if he decides to declare Caleb Williams, Drake Mai, a couple guys there. Tampa Bay Buccaneers are still moving on from the Tom Brady era. Yes, Baker Mayfield's there, but we know he's not the long-term solution. You look at the Washington Commanders who were just sold. Well, Washington's going to be the most fascinating team to watch over the next, basically, three to four years. Going into the AFC, I mean, all these teams are pretty much set at quarterback, but you've got the Patriots and Raiders, two teams who don't necessarily have long-term solutions on the roster. As much as the Patriots want to push on the Mac Jones narrative and the Bailey Zappi narrative with us. So you are really, I think, in a situation where if a trade happens next year, it's probably going to be with an NFC team. Yeah, the 49ers are interesting because uh, th- there's some mixed, like, mixed reviews coming out of 49ers camp. There's some that, like, we, there's the one video that came out uh, where Trey Lance, like, he's working with the bags and he just completely just sky mailed the ball to like uh you know another coach there or trainer or whatever whoever it was he was throwing to and a lot of bears fans kind of got on that and and got a you know it kind of took off from there um it sounds like that video is like not even from training camp though it sounds like that's videos like old news from like otas or whatever so i don't know why that's would be re- resurfacing now but yeah they're like Apparently, like you get reviews like that, but then I'm also hearing that a lot of 49ers guys are saying that Trey Lance looks like the best quarterback in camp so far for the 49ers, which I, I don't know what to take with, with that. I mean, just it's a weird situation. It seems like the 49ers are just like looking for reasons uh, to give up on Trey Lance. Like they brought in Sam Darnold uh, this past offseason to, I guess, compete for a starting job because Brock Purdy's been kind of dealing with the injury. And I think Shanahan basically came out and said that. Brock Purdy is going to be their starter uh, going forward or not officially confirmed it, but basically confirmed it. So yeah, that's a weird situation. And they're going to have a first round pick for the first time since the Trey Lance trade, I think next year. So are they going to be willing to move up again to get a guy? That's going to be pretty interesting to see. Um, I think the Atlanta Falcons are very interesting because they're a kind of a team that they're not good enough to, you know, first of all, <laughs> every single throw that comes out of Atlanta, it seems like uh, it's just a very inaccurate throw. And I don't know if they're all Desmond Ritter throws, but it, it, the, the general vibe I'm getting is that Desmond Ritter has kind of been just bleh, you know, for the Falcons in training camp so far. It's kind of like a Mac quarterback. Um, so the Falcons, I mean, they may be in a position where they kind of have to go in for quarterback next offseason. Um, because that look at the rest of that roster, like they have a good offensive line. They invested a ton of resources in the defense this past offseason. They got weapons. Like they kind of just need a quarterback to really put that thing all together there. And I don't know if Desmond is the guy, man. I just I don't know that that they're a fascinating team. 
the Vikings could be interesting too. Like would, would the bears be willing to give a quarterback to the Vikings in a trade in division? Um, if the Vikings are willing to move up there, because I think, I, I think this is probably going to be the last year of Kirk Cousins in, in Minnesota there. I'm pretty sure. Like, it seems like the general the general feeling I'm getting is that they're going to do one last ride with this core for the Vikings, and then they're just going to go complete tear down with rebuild mode um, after this year. It's kind of like the vibe I'm getting from all the moves that they've kind of made this offseason, which has been a weird offseason for the Vikings. But that's another team that I'm kind of interested in, in kind of seeing where they're at as well. Like would the bears be willing to do that is kind of um, is kind of the big thing in the AFC. Like, I don't even know if there's any teams that I would say would even be in the running because most of the AFC teams already have either. They have their quarterback in the future or they have a quarterback that they are committed to winning in the, in the present right now. Like maybe the Patriots, maybe they're so done with Mac Jones after this year that they look to trade a four quarterback because it's not that Mac Jones is like bad or anything, but he de- definitely has a, a a definite ceiling on his game. And for and <laughs> it sounds like him and, and Belichick are at odds because Mac Jones, like last year, was so pissed off at at Belichick for just completely sabotaging his season by having Patricia be the offensive coordinator. Like, if we're being honest here, like Mac Jones is in the right for that situation because Patricia is just a clown and had no business being an offensive coordinator. So I, I I'm kind of on a Mac Jones side there. And I, I know it's kind of a, that's kind of a rare take, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of NFC teams, like you said, that are looking for their franchise quarterback and that's going to be fascinating. Like how willing are these, how desperate are these teams going to be and how willing are the bears are to be trading down? And that's the other thing. Like, do we think there's a situation where the Bears don't trade down at all and, and just stand put? That that would be kind of interesting to see happen. What what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's certainly a situation and a possibility to consider as well. Because you know, next year one of your two first round picks is going to be used on an edge rusher. I've been raving about how much I love Jared Vers, Dallas Turner, a couple of the Ohio State guys as well. But Next year, you also have for the Bears, I mean, uncertainty at the wide receiver position, right? Let's just say that Marvin Harrison Jr. falls in your lap. Let's just say you let one of Cole Komet or Darnell Mooney leave via free agency. It's a damn good wide receiver class next year to find DJ Moore a legitimate running mate. And then just looking at the offensive tackle class, too, you've got Joe Alt, J.C. Latham, Olu Fashanu from Penn State. I mean... All three really good left tackles. If Braxton Jones doesn't take that next step forward this year, then you can bet Ryan Poles, Ian Cunningham being guys who are nerds about the offensive line are going to start considering those guys as well. So there's a ton of different possibilities, but it, it it's also so key to keep in mind that going and playing your cards right in the draft doesn't always have to be trade down to accumulate more picks because Ryan Poles has shown us he loves those day two and those day three picks he wants to squeeze and maximize the value out of every single one of those picks but if it's not there it's just not there and again with the eight picks that the Bears have next year there's a possibility where it becomes a ninth pick if Ian Cunningham leaves and gets a GM job somewhere else then the Bears do get an additional third round pick but the reality is that the first round is so crowded next year. It it almost works better in the Bears' interest to not trade down or trade out 
because you're going to get two cornerstones with how deep that class is and how deep it's looking. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's going to be a lot of talent in next year's draft class, and that, that's kind of the thing. Like, it would be nice to trade down and get more draft picks, but at some point, you do need like legitimate talent and difference makers on this roster as well. So, if there's a, there are difference makers on the board, you know, you have to consider just standing put and, and taking those guys. And you know, we're a long ways away from from that point. You know, there's going to be a lot of discussion on what the Bears do with those two first-round picks. Like, do they even consider trading up for a guy if uh, one of those elite prospects end up, end up dropping a little bit? You know, we'll see what happens. We're a long ways away to that point, but it is exciting to kind of think about uh, towards the future there. It is not only all, all just about the present Bears fans. There are some bright spots to talk about when it comes to the future of this organization as well. Uh, but on that note, I think it's going to wrap it up for us here today on the Picks for Polls podcast. Make sure to give us a follow on social media at Picks for Polls on Twitter. Make sure to like, rate, subscribe um, to us on Spotify, all of our on all of our podcasting platforms. Really, uh, you say where can our listeners find you on social media and find your work? Yeah, you can follow me on social media at Usaid Koshal. Go ahead and check out my work on the Bear Report. I have daily training camp articles that I am publishing, and then make sure you're interacting with us on the boards as well. There's tons of really good info there and just great conversation that tends to take place. And Bear Report's offering a 75% off VIP membership this week, so you can get the inside scoop from credentialed sources coming directly from Hallis Hall at a major discount, so be sure to sign up for that too. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure to give you say to follow and make sure to follow us along for training camp. We'll be posting our updates there uh, throughout the next few weeks. I'll be there tomorrow, although I think it's a closed practice tomorrow. So won't be doing any live updates if that's the case, but uh, definitely make sure to find all my uh, thoughts on Bears training camp um, on our recaps um, for our practices there. And you can follow me on social media as well on Twitter at AJ Freeman 25. Uh, all right. Uh, for us here at Picks for Polls, I, Thank you for following along and make sure to go uh, to follow along for the rest of training camp. It's been an exciting week so far and looking forward to another exciting week coming up as well. Um, and the bears preseason game, first preseason game is it's coming up. It's right around the corner here. So uh, it's an exciting time to be a bears fan. Football is back. It's just, it's, it's a great time. So uh, all of our bears fans out there, have a good, good rest of your week and bear down. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.